Sounds really good, church. Really exciting. Uh, good to be together this morning. My name is Tim, and welcome to Greater Alton Church. And I'm glad you could be here with us. And you'll hopefully you have a bulletin in your hand. It's got a lot of information about camp, church camp coming up. We have Teen Week coming up in a few weeks. Primary Week is going to start next week, next Sunday, right after church. The van will be leaving here. Anybody that's riding in the van down to Rolla, if you're going to go to Little Prairie Bible Camp for Primary Week, uh, the van will be leaving at 12 o'clock sharp. If you're there at 12.01... You're walking, all right? So you want to make sure uh, that you um, make it if you're, if you're going to take the van, of course, all right? What's that? Gary will have it done plenty of time. Well, isn't that nice? Okay. Um, Gary is preaching next week. And so uh, that, that's what's going on there. Let's see. Um, you're going to notice in the back of your bulletin, uh, there's a fellow by the name of Chet, Chet uh, McDonald. And uh, this past Wednesday, we had uh, Phil Robertson, a uh, uh, was from Duck Dynasty. Uh, we ha- we got to listen to him uh, from Tulsa. He was at Tulsa. We started at seven o'clock. Everybody was standing around. They didn't know what to do because we hadn't had a Wednesday night in so long. They didn't know what what's the what do we do here? What's the schedule like? But we're going to be doing that again this Wednesday at seven o'clock. Um, and so, if you'd like to join us again, had a great crowd. We're going to be looking at this fellow, listening to this fellow as he talks about what do you do when life deals you a certain kind of hand in life, and you're going to see what I'm talking about, uh, play on words there, but he's to, he'll be speaking uh, here via DVD uh, here at Greater Alton at 7 o'clock this Wednesday, and hope you can come and be a part of that as well. Um, that's about the things I've, I, oh yeah, one other thing, we've got a, a, a leadership camp out that's going to be uh, this weekend as well. It's going to be at Carlisle Lake, and if you want to know inf- more information about that, you can talk to Gary or to Susan. I think Susan sent out a text to uh, some key people uh, if you'd like to know more about that. That's going to be happening Friday night and Saturday with the option of people wanting to stay Saturday night if they can, if they'd like to. It's going to be a great time getting together and uh, enjoying each other's company there at uh, Carlisle Lake. Next week, be praying about this. Next week, our kids' ministry is starting a series during the summer called Metamorphosis, and it's going to be a great time, uh, a a great uh, focus on God's trying to change you. And the kids are going to be learning how God is trying to change them from caterpillars to butterflies, all right? And so that's Metamorphosis. That'll be next week. We're in a series uh, that that we've been entitled called Why... And we've been looking at these questions of why. You probably have got lots of questions. You've probably asked questions like this before. Why do I have to do this? Why, does, why is it like this? Why is this happening to me? Why am I here? That's what we talked about a little bit last week. In fact, we covered just half that lesson. And today I want to cover the other half of that lesson. But before we do, I want to revisit uh, Ray Romano's family again because they're trying to get to the, the bottom of this question of why are we here. So let's watch a little bit of Everybody Loves Raymond. Look, it turns out Allie doesn't want to know how we get here. She wants to know why we're here, why God put us on Earth. And she's waiting for Ray to answer her. What's wrong with you? It's simple. Oh, okay, yeah. We're going to learn the meaning of life from a guy who once threw his shoe at a swan. (laughs) That's called protecting your sandwich. (laughs) Listen to me. Here's what life is. You're born, you go to school, you go to work, you die. That's it. That's all. Cannoli Marie. (laughs) We're not talking about what we do while we're here, Dad. Yeah, yeah, the big question is why we're here in the first place. 
You know, I spent many a night lying in bed thinking about this kind of stuff. Life's imponderables. <laughs> Allie's too young to be worrying about things like this. No, I'm proud of her. I love it that she's such an independent thinker. If she's so independent, why can't she figure this out herself? Listen, <laughs> just get up there and tell her that God put us on Earth to help each other. It's simple, it's direct, it's a good way for her to live her life. What are you talking about? That doesn't answer anything. But what are you telling me that God said, hmm, uh, let's see, what should I put there? Hmm, that's your God. <laughs> No way! It's got to be deeper and cool. Hello, I'm God. <laughs> so what did God say? Hey, uh, I'm going to put some humans on Earth so they can help each other. Or I could just skip humans altogether and go hit a bucket of balls. <laughs> oh, I know. It's over in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> that should be light. It might take me a minute. <laughs> a minute more, Marie, religious scholars spend their entire lives trying to answer this question. Do not just get a flip through the Bible and find the meaning of life. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> That's in here somewhere, too. <laughs> in the Bible, why don't you talk to Father Hubley? Hey, that's right. You know what? It's his job to know these things. Can you call him? Yeah. What are we putting the money in that basket for? <laughs> oh, uh, it's, it's his machine. Hey, Father Hubley, hi. It's Raymond Barone. Me and the family were just sitting around and we have a quick question for you. What is the meaning of life? <laughs> so if you could get back to us as soon as possible, we'd appreciate it, right? Uh, we're kind of waiting. Okay, thank you. Goodbye. God bless you. And us. And the meat. <laughs> Where there are no oxen, the crib remains empty. But large crops come through the strength of the bull. <laughs> That's got nothing to do with this. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. It's a good question, and it is difficult to answer that question, not only to a child, but even to ourselves. You can stop and think about it. Why are we here? And last week we looked at a couple of, of points, and, and uh, there's a couple more I want to share with you. Uh, you know, it's not unusual to ask this question, why? Why am I here? People in the Bible asked it. Again, I showed you last week. Let me show you those passages again. They're on your notes up here on the screen. In Psalms 89, David said, why did you create us? Was it for nothing? It's a good question. Why did you create us, Lord? And Jeremiah, when he was going through a low point in his life, and it's usually when we're going through a tough time, we say, why was I ever born, huh? Yeah, why did this happen to me? Why was I ever born? Like, why is it, you know, why am I here? So it's a good question. And even people like David, who was a man after God's own heart, and Jeremiah, who was a great prophet of God, just because you're a godly person, you're going to ask that question, and there's nothing wrong with that. God did not, from his throne in heaven, wig out or panic 
when his people were asking, why were they here? And he doesn't panic when you ask the same question. In fact, he's, he wants you to get the answer to that question. I think that's why the Bible's written. Marie was right. It's somewhere in the Bible, and it might take a while to figure it out. But if you look, you can find that answer. Now, today, before we get into this lesson, I want to uh, just do a little more reviewing here. And what we learned last week was, if I'm going to ever figure out why I am, I am here, it starts with my Creator. Whenever you're trying to figure out why is something made the way it is, you go to the maker, the creator of it, right? Why did you make it out of this kind of metal? Or why did you make it out of wood? Or, or why did you design it this particular way? And there's a reason. The creator always has a reason for why they designed things to be a certain way. And our creator, your creator, there's a reason why he's made you and I the way we are and why we're here to begin with. In fact, look at this, this passage we looked at last week. Paul said this, it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. It's God who helps us understand the meaning of life. And uh, even Solomon would say this, you know, when he's searching for the purpose of life in Ecclesiastes, it seems to resonate even in the Proverbs. It says, the Lord has made everything for his own purposes. He's learned something, that God has made everything. And it's not here by accident. The stars, the moon, you know, the planets, the clouds, the plants... People, you, me, we're not here by accident. We're made for a purpose. We're made for God's purpose. There's a reason. And so we looked at this idea of, so what are the, what's the purpose of being here? And now there's probably a, a several you could probably find if you did a search on the Internet and looked at scriptures. You might find others. I found four that just kind of encouraged me, and I wanted them to encourage you. So last week we looked at, very quickly, we looked at two of those points. One of them is, I'm here because of God's love. You're here because God wants you to be here. If he didn't want you here, you wouldn't be here. You're here because of that. And it's out of his love. Again, look at the, look at the Bible verse that we looked at here. Long before he laid down the earth's foundations, he, made us, he had us in mind. Had settled on us as the focus of his love. To be, here, to be made whole and holy by his love. God has a reason you're here. And one of it is it starts with his love. He wants you here. And, then that, and that leads us into that second point. Notice it says there that it's by his love to be made whole. Kind of gives you the idea of the second point, doesn't it? That I'm here as a test. I'm here to be prepared, to prepare. So life is about that. I'm here to prepare. And so, again, Solomon, Ecclesiastes 3, was very, very uh, uh, clear to say he's made everything beautiful in its time. He says everything that's made... Is, has a purpose at the moment, and it's beautiful at its time. You look right now, there was a meteor shower a couple of nights ago. I don't know if anybody caught the meteor shower. Uh, you look at, you know, uh, you get an iPad. These iPads are amazing. A guy can take an iPad now, point at the sky, daylight or night, and know where the planets are. My brother has that capability on his iPad. Mine is uh, Generation 1, and it doesn't do that. And so he's like, you want to see where the planets are today? Sure, please. He even points it at the ground, and it goes through the earth somehow and shows you the planets on the other side of the, their own side of the, of the earth. And you see the wonder of it all. The stars are beautiful. The Big Dipper's right up here now during this time of year. And so it greets you at night. You've got, you've got the birds are out, bluebirds. We've got bluebirds and purple martins that are looking at houses. I had a male bluebird stand on one of the bluebird houses on our house, at our house. Stand there like it's like... Look at me, ladies. I got a house. Who wants to live with me? You know, 
the purple martins, male and female, or on the on the, the big Martin house, as if they're shopping. Well, which one do we want to live in? There's you've got two apartments open right here, baby. What do you think? You know, you look and they're beautiful birds. The red birds are very colorful right now. You know, it's just you look at uh, even uh, we've got skinks at our house. You know what a skink is? It's a little larger lizard. And Denise, this is, oh, skink. And they're beautiful. They're beautiful. Uh, we have chipmunks that are just running, having their, their way in our landscape. And, and uh, you know, Denise was seeing a, a chipmunk. Goes, oh, I hate these chipmunks. And, well, you want me to shoot one? Oh, we need to get rid of them. So I go grab the BB gun. And what are you getting ready to do? I'm going to shoot. Not Chip and Dale. Don't shoot the chipmunks. Okay. So, and the chipmunk's like, you can't touch me. I'm holy, you know. And so, so you, we've even got a five or six foot black snake at the house right now. We, it shows up every once in a while. Scares Denise when she's working in a landscape, you know, and, and I haven't found it yet. I don't understand how it has a purpose in life right now. Maybe to get some varmints or two. But, but you know, they're, they're all there. They're beautiful in their time. And, you know, they're all going to die. They're all going to end. But in you and I, God has put something else besides the physical part of us that's here for a short time. He puts inside us eternity. You're the only thing in this earth that's eternal. And so, why am I here then in the meantime? It's to prepare for eternity. And God's eternity is going to be wonderful. For, for a lot of you, I'm not so sure for some of you. If, if you don't like being around Christians now, you better get used to it in heaven. You know, if you can't work out your differences, and I say this to the people I've, got, I've had a falling out with as well, if we don't learn to work out our differences here on earth, guess what? What are we going to do when we get to heaven? Well, it's a big place. Yeah, but if you're going to be there forever, you're bound to bump into one another sooner or later, okay? <laughs> you know? Uh, if the Word of God is not something you're into, you better, you're going to have to get used to it. Better get used to it. Get ready for it. Because on earth or on, on, in heaven, you're going to see, well, bumper stickers and billboards and people are going to be talking the Word of God. <laughs> Maybe not quite like that, but you get the idea, right? It's going to be, it, the Word of God lasts forever. It's going to be the language in heaven. And if I can't get in my Bible in some regular basis... I need to prepare for that. I better get used to the Word of God being around me. You see that? Because life is a test. And I'm going to be tested. You're going to be tested. We learned that last week. Why? To prepare us. Look at this passage again. The, the Bible says here in James, blessed. He says, blessed, happy, fulfilled, content, whatever way you want to say. Blessed are those who endure when they're tested. You know, God's going to test you. Satan's going to tempt you. Say it again. God is going to test you. Satan's going to tempt you. They're different. They really are. Now, I know sometimes maybe when you're tested, you're tempted. But that's Satan. That's Satan, see? You know, I don't know how many times I remember as a kid, I got sick when it was time for the exams. I was tempted not to take the test, see? So I'd have a tummy ache, or I'd have a headache, or I'd hurt myself on purpose so I wouldn't have to take the test. But the test was waiting for me. And guys, you know, you and I are going to be tested. Life is going to test us. It's going to test our faith. It's going to test our paradigms, our core beliefs, what, what we, why we're here, what we're up to, what we're going to do, our values. God's going to test those. Why? To develop, to prepare us, 
to make us more like Christ. Even Jesus was tested, wasn't he? At Gethsemane. Lord, is there any way to take this cup from me? But not my will, yours be done. He goes, bring the test. On the cross, separated from God, he passes the test. And he sets, the Bible says, he sits down at the right hand of God. What's he got? Crown of life. And it says, and when you pass that test, you'll receive a crown of life. What's the crown of life? Eternity. It, yeah, life here on this earth, yeah, victory, but also victory after, the, after you've been, on the, been here on earth. And it's promised for those who love him. And that's what we've learned. That's what we learned last week, that I'm on, on this earth two reasons. Because God loves me and to test me. I think next week Gary's going to be talking about the testing a little more in detail uh, next week. Well, let's get to these other two points, okay? I know you've got lots of plans today. And uh, I know you're all thinking about what you're, where you, who you're going to see, what you're going to cook on the grill, perhaps things like that. Um, hope you'll think about uh, the men and women who've given you the freedom to do that, okay? I hope you'll think about that and let that dwell in your mind as well. And even let it spill over into Jesus because he gives you freedom, doesn't he? Freedom from sin because of a sacrifice, much like a soldier. So what are those next two points, Tim? Well, the third, third reason I think that we're here is I'm here because, to bring glory to God. And I think we already filled out that blank for you. And uh, I just want to think about this for a minute. You and I are here to bring glory and honor to God. The best thing you can do in life, guys, if you do anything in life, better than making them your millions or better than, than raising you know, your kids safe or, or better than, is if you're bringing glory to God. It's the greatest thing you could do with your life. And what the Bible says here, look what it says here. For everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by His power and everything is for His glory. To him be glory evermore. I think of Danny Lankford, forevermore. Oh, that West Virginian drawl. And, he's, and I can just imagine Paul writing it in kind of a West Virginian, you know, to him be glory forevermore, you know. And that whole idea that, that we are made for to bring glory to him. Well, what's that about? Well, that means that everything, everything has been designed to bring out the attributes and character of God. Another word for, you know, um, another word you might use for uh, radi- as a word radiance or, in a sense, or magnify, that, that everything God made, he made to sparkle, to grab attention to his character, to who, what he's really like. And uh, so I got to thinking about this. What are some things in the Bible that are designed and made for God's glory? Everything is. Okay, well, can you get more specific, Tim? I think the Bible gets a little more specific. And I, I found three particular things that I think bring glory to God. The first are the heavens. The Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. Is that true? Do you find that to be true? When you look at the sky, whether it's during the day or at night, the stars, or you catch a glimpse of Jupiter... Or when Venus or Mercury or uh, Venus is close or Mars is close enough and you know you see that planet. At one time I remember looking at Saturn and saw one of its moons with a pair of binoculars that was so amazing. And I'm sitting there going, why is all that there? He set all the planets just right. Why are we just, just far enough away from the sun to be able to live? It's just, it's, and and what's, what's, what do we see when we see the heavens? We see the, the sky and everything. It declares God's wisdom. 
It declares God. It, it shows God's variety, His love for variety and color. You know, guys, God doesn't want us all to be exactly the same. He wants us to be like Christ. And it's going to display itself differently. If everything was made to God's glory, you know, a tree displays God's glory differently than the stars would. A flower does it differently than a sunset. But they, they display the wonder of God, the power of God. I want you to remember that one. The power of God. Wow. How God likes things diverse. If he, if he made everybody the same, to be exactly the same, wouldn't that be a boring place to live? I wouldn't know who tell apart who's my wife and who's my kids. We all look exactly, we all act. God never made us that way. And so even as a church, we need to embrace diversity. Anybody amen that? Does that make sense? You say, well, you say, well I've heard this before. I don't think we can hear it enough. That our pattern is to be like Christ, not like each other. That's the problem. When I start trying to compare myself with somebody else, it can be very discouraging or very arrogant. I can get very arrogant by it. They kind of wash each other out. But when I compare myself to Christ, and I hope you're not discouraged when you compare yourself to Christ. As a Christian, you're becoming like Christ. It gives you something to aim for. I can be really excited and jazzed up and juiced up about that. You can too. But the heavens declare His glory. And it's, it's wonderful to see that. That God loves color. He brings order to things. We see that power to bring order. We see His stewardship. His ability to manage things. And all these things He calls us to be as well. Second thing that I notice is His Son, Jesus Christ, brings the, declares the glory of God. Look at what it says here. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. That word radiance, the sparkle, the highlight. If you really want to see what God is like, look at Jesus Christ. Just look at Jesus Christ. You want to know what matters to God? Look what mattered to Jesus Christ. You want to know how to treat people? Look at how Jesus Christ treated people. You want to know what matters, what values, what, where your priorities ought to be? Just look at the life of Jesus Christ. He shows, he shows the values, the wisdom, and the scope of God's character. And did, did he? Can you, would you agree that, that with this statement that the Son of God is the radiance of God's glory? Absolutely. And you see it as you read about Jesus over and over again. But the Bible says someone else can share the glory of God or someone else can show the glory of God. And look what it says here in Isaiah 43. It says, bring all who claim me as their God. Would you underline all who claim me as their God? He says, here are some people that I made for my glory. The people who choose me as their God. And if you're a Christian, if you're somebody who's... By the way, we're going we're gonna to spend one week talking about why be a Christian. Why are you a Christian? Is it because they got to you first? You, they, beat, they beat the Muslims to you? They beat the Hindus? They beat the Buddhists? You know, the Buddhists to you? Yeah, Buddhists are easy to beat. You know, they don't even have a desire. They're always denying desire and the desire to convert people. They're trying to stay away from that. But what if you lived in another country? Would you be that country's chief religion? You ever thought about that? It's just because everybody else is a Christian? Now, I'm not trying to say that it's not a blessing to be in the United States because it's a blessing to be in a nation that promotes Christianity. As, as messed up as it is, hmm? as messed up as it is, 
look what we get to do. We can still talk about it. They're not coming in to arrest us yet. What a blessing. But why are you a Christian? We're going to talk about that in a few weeks. Why Christianity? Why not Islam? Why not Hinduism? I can tell you one thing, by the way. We have a guy that come out of the grave, and that kind of singles us out. <laughs> That's kind of cool. But it says here that those who are, that, that call me their God, I've made them for my glory. Now, this kind of creates a problem. Maybe not for you, but it sure creates a problem for me. You say, how does it create a problem for you, Tim? Because I'm not very good at this. I'm not very good at bringing glory to God. Now, I'm not saying I don't have confidence. I have plenty of confidence. The rest is having a hard time cooperating with the confidence, all right? The life sometimes doesn't follow through with what I really want to do. And that's, I want to live up to this verse. In fact, you, anybody else like that? You know, I just don't seem to glorify God at times. In fact, there's times, Tim, I just fall on my face. You know why? Because the Bible says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's the thing about you and I, is that we're not very good at it because we're not supposed to be. <laughs> we blow it. So we're not very good at it. So that's why people look at the churches and Christianity centers and go, they're just a bunch of hypocrites. You're just inconsistent. You may not even try to be a hypocrite, but you're inconsistent. And the world calls that even that hypocrisy at times. Now you say, well, Tim, okay, so I can never, I can never bring glory to God? No, that's not true. Here's what I noticed. I made, you and I are made as Christians to, to bring glory to God. And yet if I can't bring glory to God, what, what happens here? Well, God stepped in and did something about it. He wanted you and I to, to be able to convey the glory of God so much that he let loose of his son to clean you and I up. That he wants you and I. See, the trees have no trouble. He wants you and I to glorify. Trees don't have trouble glorifying God. Almost in arrogance, just look at me. The oak tree, just look at me. You know I'm magnificent. Come on. Yeah. Right? Mountains. They just strut their stuff, don't they? The stars. They just beam with purpose. And they never mess up. They never, you don't see a tree going... Look over there. I messed up. I know Harry Potter's got the idea that the trees actually can do that. They don't. Trees do a great job. Animals do a great job. Everything seems... Not me. Yet, you and I were made for that very purpose. That God wants it. And, and guys, does a tree do a good job of glorifying God? Yes. Does the Son of God do a... Great job of glorifying God? Absolutely. But I want you to know, God wants you to glorify God so badly, He comes to this earth, dies on a cross, resurrects from the grave to say, I want you to shine now. It's your turn. And guys, I want you to think about this for a second. You perhaps can shine and glorify God more than anything He's ever made. Because of that. More than Jesus? Well, don't get to thinking too much here. I don't know if we can ever outshine Jesus. But you know, to see someone who's broken and busted, 
that messes up help somebody else? Do the right thing at work? Tell the truth? Take responsibility? Be disciplined? That will do the difficult, will forgive when it's... Everybody else says, never. You don't think that brings such radiance and sparkle to the character of God? When, when you do something like that, you help somebody with a meal, you serve somebody, why, you're showing people what God is really like. Every bit as much as Jesus Christ, you show, you display His power as much as Jesus did when He was dead. That's when He really shined, when He died and, went and resisted the death and lived. And when you resist this life of darkness, this life of death, that the world's all joined in doing, and you're saying, no, I'm going a different direction. It isn't that you point your, point, you're pointing to you. You're pointing and giving glory to God. The radiance you're showing Him, you're showing the world what God is really like and what matters to Him. I want to say this week, when you go out this week, do this. Make it your goal to bring glory to God. Not to yourself, but to your Lord who loves you. You were made for that. That's why there's no greater life to live than a life that brings glory and honor to God. You can make a billion dollars, whatever that is, Make a lot of money. But something even better than that is to give glory to your Creator. So this week, at work, you're there for a reason. At, at the supermarket, with your families, today or tomorrow, you're there for a reason. Be aware of it and bring glory and honor to God. Here's the third, here's the third thing. Or the fourth thing. I'm here to make a difference. Why am I here? I'm here to make a difference. Look what Jesus says. This is the message paraphrase. And I know it gets a little sloppy with a paraphrase. It's paraphrase is trying to capture the meaning of a passage. And look what it says here. Jesus said these words. He said it kind of like this. In the same way that you, give, you gave me a mission. He's talking to God. A mission in the world. I give them a mission in the world. Now I want to ask you a question here. Because there's a lot of ways to interpret Scripture. Let me bring something to you. To look at this. Was this Jesus praying to his Father, to God, right? Is he saying, is them that he's referring to just the twelve? Do you think it's just the twelve? Or do you think it's every, every disciple that follows him? Just think about that for a minute. A lot of people would say, well, that's just for the twelve, the twelve apostles. It's just for leaders. Really? I tell you, if you want to, you want to get into the leader issue, are we all leading somewhere? So that kind of, what's he talking about there? I had a, you know, I've, I've often wondered, is he, what's he, ta- he says, I'm giving, is he, he's talking to the 12 disciples, but he's also talking to anyone else that follows him. How do you know that? Well, even the Apostle Paul would say something like, I consider my life worth nothing if I don't complete the mission God has given me. And that is testifying the good news to others. And he was, he didn't hear this statement in John 17. So I think it's for everybody. It's for you. It's for me. See, Jesus knew exactly why he was here. You ask Jesus, hey, why are you here? And he doesn't flinch. He doesn't blink. 
He's able to explain it. I'll tell you why I'm here. In fact, I give you a list of, I think I gave you a list of stuff, didn't I? Look at here. He says, here's one of the reasons I've come. He goes, I have come to fulfill what is written about me. That's one thing he said in Matthew 5. I've come here to fulfill what is written about me. And by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's things written about you and I in the Bible. Oh, I may not have your particular name, but it's about his followers and his disciples. And like Christ, you're here to fulfill what's written about you. But Jesus says, I, I come here to fulfill some things. Uh, another thing I came in Mark 10, he said, to, is to bring salvation. I'm here to bring salvation to people. I'm here to help people. Mark 1, I'm here to preach. I'm here to preach the good news. Now, a lot of us right now, I hope, are, get, are either getting ready or going through these studies, these new beginning studies, or these beginning studies that we have. And guys, one of the things we, we, we discussed this amongst ourselves, Gary and Alan and I, and we, we sat there and talking about this going, we thought the studies we had um, were good. And I like them personally. But we also noticed some things missing. Because when you read the scriptures, you get that the good news talks about a lot of things that we really don't talk about. For example, we, we talk about the cross in the studies we have now, but very little, if any, about the resurrection. And the resurrection was a major part of the good news. That's why I think these people could face the lions and the Romans and the, and the torture, because they believed there was a resurrection. Maybe one of the reasons we have a hard time facing any kind of persecution the slightest bit of criticism because we're, we just don't have a good grip of the resurrection. Maybe. The, you know, when, you read, when you read about what they presented to the early church presented to the people, the Gentiles, that would be us, like us, not just the Jew, they talked about the kingdom of God. You know, a lot of times I, I found myself when we talk about the kingdom of God, I kind of look like a deer in headlights. Huh? What? Kingdom of God? Why are we talking about that? Well, it, must have, it was a part of the original message. It's what made it good news. And I've often wondered, and we've talked about this too, maybe it's hard for us to share sometimes because we just don't see it as very good news. And so we're looking at this again. We're, look, you know, we're looking at, are, are we making disciples or are we making robots? Is it about... Do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And you get, the, you know, by the way, guys, you know what I noticed something? This is just free. It's free anyway, but let me give you, here's another free thing. Like, I'm paying to do this, okay? No, not really. But I really am paying. No. no. Um, a lot of times when you're teaching something, this is, the, this is the, the, the paradox or the tension of every person that teaches the Word of God. Whenever you choose to teach something, you may be teaching something else and not realizing it. That's, that's the one we try to wrap our mind around. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about now. Yeah. This idea of we're teaching, okay, do this and 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 do this. And, do this. and you know what it sounds like? You've got to do this and 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 do this. And if you do these things, then you're okay. And it all depends on what you do. And where's God in it? Now, I know I've got to do this and do this and do this and do this and do this, but God did that. 
It helps me do this and do this and do this and do this and do this. See, it's not a it's it's a response to God, not well. If I hold up my end of the bargain, who can do that? By the way, consistently, who can who can live up to what God says every second? Then you need to be preaching. I I need to get out of the way. And see, and and Jesus came. To teach and preach what really mattered. He said, Jesus, what do you, uh, look at this already. Three things. I'm here to fulfill what God said about me. I'm here to bring salvation. I'm here to talk about it. I'm here to talk about it. By the way, if you're going to follow Christ, you're probably going to find yourself doing these things too. Because that's why I'm here. Here's my list. By the way, do you have a list of why you're here? Would you be able to put down why you're here? Why are you here? Jesus says, well, it's to fulfill, to bring salvation, to preach. Look at the next one. What's he say? Am I waiting too long, Pat? Come on, bring it up. Hello, Pat. Where are you? There you go. To bring fire. Luke 12, he says, I'm bringing fire. Bringing judgment? Yeah. Well, I don't bring judgment. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. We bring all kinds of judgment. You might say, well, I'm ta- you're talking about judgmental spirit. No, I'm talking about righteous judgment. Whenever you take a stand for God, and whenever you're teaching what the Bible teaches, you're making, you're, you're making a judgment to the person that's hearing you, and they hear it loud and clear and attack you. They will. Some will. Most will. And Jesus says, I came here to bring fire. Well, why are you here, Jesus? Well, I came to seek and to save people. He says that in Luke 19. I came to seek and to save people, Tim. I'm here looking for people and trying to save them. What are you here for, Tim? John 6, I'm here to do God's will. I'm here to do my Father's will. I'm here to do exactly what He says. Wow. That sounds so legalistic. Really? Sounds loving. I really want to please God. If there's anything I've learned the last several years is if anything helps us understand a lot of why stuff or what stuff, what should I do, what should I do, what should I do, just simply ask yourself this simple question. Will it please God? You say, well, that, well anybody can use that. For, I'm not saying twist it and use it like silly putty or you know, stretch it and make it distorted. I'm simply saying, hey, will this please God what I'm about to do? Did this please God? Will this decision please God? Well, that, that goes a long way. And Jesus said, you know what simplified my life, Tim, was? I just said, I'm here to please God. I'm here to do what He says. And so His priorities always seem to center and get, get in the right place. You seem like Jesus knew what He was doing all the time. Here's another one. And I, I come to bring an abundant life. John 10 says, I come to bring life and have it to the full. I listened to a preacher on the radio this week, and i got to pass it on. I think I heard it for a reason. God, Jesus didn't come to give you a life just to get by. Oh, I'm just getting by. What's happened? Oh, I had this. I, some of you, I'm not trying to say don't tell me your problems, but you know what? Every week, some of you come up to me. This happened to me this week. This stuff broke this week. I had this happen to me this week. Well, Tim, are you complaining? Are you griping here? You're saying, is that what all you can think of to talk to me about? I'm coming in all excited about being with my, you know, my church. Hey, I had this happen to me this week. It was bad. bad. 
What happened? My phone quit working. Let's pray for your phone. What do you have? I've got a Blackberry. Can't help you. I'm not not saying you can't talk to me about your stuff. By the way, I know some of you are going to say, well, I'm going to talk to you afterwards. i got a problem. It's you. (laughs) I get that. But you know what I'm saying? Jesus said, I come to give you an abundant life. And yet we posture ourselves sometimes as if we're just getting by. Could it be that our faith, our faith is giving us this life? That our faith will give us whatever life if she says, I come here to give you life to the full, and you go, well, it's not full. Well, who's got the problem? Does God have the blessing problem? Or do I have the following problem? Think about it. Because he came to bring an abundant life, not a get-by life. And that helped me this week. I don't know who the preacher was. He was loud. But I loved it. He lathered on that thing for 20 minutes. That's the kind of man I listen to. Okay, let's, here's, another, here's another thing he says. Jesus said, why'd you come? I come in John 12 to be a light. I come to turn the lights on. And see, that's back to these studies, guys. One of the studies we're looking at is this idea of the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. You're in one or the other. You know that, don't you? You're in the kingdom of light. There's no kingdom of kind of light and kind of darkness. Well, it's, isn't that the kingdom of hazy? Is that what you want to be in? You ever try to mow your lawn about seven thirty, eight o'clock in the evening? You can't see quite. I kind of make it. It's dark. Not enough light. Jesus says, I come to bring light. I come to turn lights on. I want you to see where you're going. I want you to see where you are. I want to set you free. So I come here to turn the lights on. Are you fighting God for the light switch? I, he says here in, John, in Matthew 20, I come to serve. What? I come to serve him. I didn't come to be served. Wait a minute, Jesus. Wait, 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 wait a minute. You're here. It's not about you? No. Wait a minute. There's going to be four books written about you in the Bible. They're going to stop. They're going to divide time. They're going to divide time because of you. And you're saying, that wasn't your idea? No. No. It wasn't about me. Well, I don't understand. We're supposed to follow you. Well, yeah. But look, at, look, Tim, if you could get to heaven, you could ask God. You could just say, hey, God, what? What do you think about all the time? I mean, there's a great question to ask God. What do you think about all the time? You know what you say? I think about you. All the time? All the time. Don't you think about yourself? A... No. Surely. you do. No. What should I think about? Well, if I think about you all the time, why don't you think about me all the time? But it's not about you, right? When I came to this earth, Jesus would say, I didn't come to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And guys, I don't know how many times I've talked, I talked to some of us, some of us here, we, how do we, I do it myself, why do we make it about ourselves? Why does that happen? How does that happen? We're selfish. Sooner or later we make it about ourselves. You didn't do this. You failed me. You know, I could do this, if, but, I, but 
you know, I can't do it, and why is this happening to me? And why is it? And we hear me and I. Me and I more than we hear about God. And Jesus says, I didn't come here. I didn't come to this earth, he says, to be served. I came to serve. And he's saying, I want you to do the same thing. Don't think of yourself so much. He says, why am I here? I'm here to serve him. And then I love this in John 18. I'm here to be king. I'm here to be king, he says. I'm here to rule. Well, he's, you know, I, I said in the early service, he's not, he didn't come here to be a prince. Well, he isn't he the prince of peace? Yeah, but he became the king of kings. Yes, he's the prince of peace. But he's became the king of kings, guys. And he says, hey, I'm ruling everything. Let me show you how I can rule. Uh, let's compare some people here. Okay. I've got three guys dying with me. Three days later, who's alive? Who rules life and death? And who can handle, if I can handle death, can I handle anything you're going through? Come on, you know I can. But i got to be king. That's the thing about these studies again. We talk about the kingdom. And the kingdom is led by a king. And the followers exist. The subjects of his kingdom exist to please the king. You don't want to get the king upset. You want to please the king. And by the way, you don't want to upset a bad king. Sure. You don't want to upset a good king either. You want to please a good king. What a king we have. And see, you and I are on the same mission. Like the Blues Brothers, you're on a mission from God. You are. You and I are on a mission from God too. Ephesians 2 says this, God is our maker and in our union with Christ. Look at this. He's our maker. There's a, what am I, why did I use this passage? I thought this passage was really good for what we're talking about. Because he's saying, go back to your creator. Let, the, let God be your reference point of why you're here. He says, God is our maker and in our union with Christ, he has created us for a life of good works, which he's already prepared for us to do. As I... I've made you to make a difference. What's that mean, Tim? Maybe it's giving a meal to somebody. Lynn Dawkins telling me about a person she'd met who said, I just gave a meal to them and a phone to use. I didn't have anything else to... I remember you said, I had nothing else to give her, Tim. I go, you gave her plenty. See, that's a great... Great example of what we're talking about here. There's people out here that just need some. They don't need to. They don't need to have be preached at. And you know, Linda didn't say, "I studied all seven studies. I I made sure." You know, no. I, I'm just going to give a cup of water to this person. Going to be kind and fair to a person. I'm going to serve. And I tell you what, I don't think Linda's the only person that this is happening in this congregation. Many of you are doing this. And don't you feel like, man, there's something fulfilling about that. Oh, Lynn was excited. She excited me. Made me want to do the same thing, to pay it forward. You're creating this life to do good works. Oh, the good works are to go to church, sit in the row, hurry up and get done, Tim. You know, sing out loud. Give that money. 
Well, those are good things. Isn't it funny how good and godly and God, goodly and God and good and God are kind of sound the same thing? They all relate to one another. The truly good things are the things of God. But it's much broader than Sundays or discipleship group. It's about what I do. The person is in the next cubicle or sitting next to me or the next office or in this house I'm working on something in her home on my email on my Facebook especially on my Facebook God's already prepared for me for you and I to do things and it's different different things you do some things differently than I do but we all are created for that purpose to make a difference oh God wants to use you for that Look at this passage here. I love this passage. He died for everyone, so that those who receive... By the way, notice he says he dies for everyone, but the promise is for those who receive his new life. Did you catch that? He died for everybody. God loves everyone, even your enemies, even your betrayers. But the ones that... It says, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised. Did you catch it again? There it is. Death and resurrection. Died and raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. Would you underline human point of view? What's he talking about there? There's another approach to life that the Apostle Paul realized. There's a human approach to life. There's another approach. It's the point of view of the world. He goes, you know what? We, we, used to, we used to look at Christ that way, but no longer. We used to look at Christ from a human point of view, but that's changed too. He goes, in fact, he says, how differently we know him now. What does that mean, Paul? And he says in verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Different purpose in life. See, there's a, there's a human approach to living on this planet. Then there's God's approach to living on this planet. And this new life helps you figure it out. And he says there's a new life here. A new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. I want you to, as a favor for me, to talk to my two sons and try to get them to preach on Father's Day. Uh, I'm, it's my birthday, June the 15th. It happens to be Father's Day. That's double. And, and I know some of you got confused. You were confused about something. You were kind of confused about something. Matthew and Nicole are having a child too. They're both having kids here. <laughs> Matthew and Nicole? Nathan and Nicole. Sorry about that. Well, that would be... Nicole, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nathan. I can't even get it right. Yeah. Nathan and Nicole are having a child, as well as Matthew and Brian. There, I got it straight. Okay, now... And I want them to talk about... I want them to talk about something like this, about how... What is, God is like an expecting father. That someone being born again excites him. That birth excites him. And I want, him, I want them to talk about what they're thinking about. And we get a glimpse of what God thinks about when we're born again. 
the dreams and plans. You know, when, when both my boys were born, Nathan and Matthew, if their name's right, I wrote a letter to them the night they were born of my plans for them. Scared to death. And I just want you to know, that, to talk to them about that. Try to get them to persuade to do that. I know you'll help me. Okay? Yeah. They'll do a good job. Old life gone. New life has begun. And all this is a gift from God. What a passage that we get to see this morning. God's so good. It's a gift. Not, not something we have to earn. It's a gift. Who brought us back to himself. Guys, we used to belong to God. And then it's like someone came in and ripped us from his, from his arms. And he's like, i got to get you back. He brought us back to himself. How? Through Christ. We know it's about the cross, right? And look, it says, And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. See, I know it's more than his disciples, because this was written to a church. He gives us this mission to reconcile others to Christ, to bring people to God. You're on a mission. You're here to make a difference. So the last question as we close... Look at this question here, if I can bring it up. I didn't know how to answer. I didn't know how to ask. I'm bad at questions sometimes. I was going to say, why are we here? But I think I ought to be asking, why will I be here? Because I'm going to be here. Well, why will I be here? Really, that's the question. You might be saying, well, I need to ask the question, why am I here? There may be a bigger question. And this may be it. Why will you be here? What will your approach be? Will it be from a human point of view or from God's point of view? Even as a Christian, we're not, the world isn't done with us, right? We're still working on this. And it's so easy to get those, those default paradigms we've grown up with, they kind of reboot into our lives, don't they? Occasionally. So why will I be here? Well, the first one is, will it be physical? Or I'm sorry, survival. Survivor. Will it be a survivor approach? You guys like survivor? I sat down and watched all 14 episodes in the last two days. My eyes are tired. It's awesome. I'm not going to tell you one if you're still. It's awesome. You say awesome. It's entertaining. I'll say it that way. I don't know if it's awesome. Because it seems like whoever can be the, the most deceptive, dishonest, backstabbing person wins the game. That's the worldly point of view, see? And a survivor approach is something like this. I'm just trying to survive, and I'll do anything I can to stay on my feet. Don't get in my way. Don't you try to do something to me, because I'll pay back, and you will pay for it. Very self-centered life. The problem is, with a survivor approach is, you're going to die anyway. Someday you're going to be voted off the island. <laughs> you know? Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God go, Tim, Tim... Tim, I got an immunity. I love everything. Too bad. <laughs> the tribe has spoken, <clears throat> and the fire goes out. Good luck. That's the problem with the survivor approach. I think the other one's a physical approach. Am I right? Oh, 
Oh, one of these days. Yeah, this is it. The natural approach. What's the natural approach? Well, the natural approach is more like, well, I'm here, but I'm here to reproduce. I'm here to keep the... Ice-T would say, hey man, chill out and keep the species alive. That's what he said one time in a rap. Just keep the species alive. You say, well, I'm not like that. Do you desire to have children so much that nothing else matters? Do you think the only thing you're here for is to pass on your genes? That's that natural approach. And the problem with that is that, that'll disappoint a lot of folk. Nothing wrong with you. Well, Tim, you're saying, I, I have a desire to have children. Yeah, I know, I, I know you do. And is there anything wrong with that? Nothing wrong with that. But it cannot become an idol. You've got to be careful. That's, that can be a natural approach. What's the other one? I'll guess here. Oh, the YOLO approach! <laughs> YOLO! What is the YOLO approach? You only live once. Oh, well, YOLO. What's that mean? It's, I live for the pleasure. I live for the party. How's the Black Eyed Peas say it? Let's get it started in here. Let's get it. Right? And, but think about this for a minute. Here's the problem with the YOLO approach. When the fun's over, when the pleasure subsides, guess what you want to do? Go to another party. Now, can Christianity be a party? Yeah. But it also can be a, a life of persecution. A life of discipline. And not very entertaining at times. I know I try to make it fun on Sundays. And, I, you know, Tim, why do you do that? Why do you, why do you have a little humor? Because I know it's not very funny on Mondays or Tuesdays. But the YOLO approach is, you know, where's the next party at? And the problem is pleasure subsides. Pleasure finally ends. Now, if you're saying, well, you only live once, make it count. That's different. What's the next one, Pat? The consumer approach. What's that? I measure my significance by my stuff. I've got all this stuff. That means I must be important. Look at all the things. Look at all the awards I have. Look at all the things I've achieved. Look at all the things I've done. Look at all the gadgets I've got. I've got the latest, the greatest. He who dies with the most toys dies. And they have a yard sale. Do you really think your family's going to keep all your stuff? Somebody's going to go, why did they buy that? Put a nickel on it. Put it on the free pile. Why, that was so much to me. Apparently, it didn't mean anything to anyone else. And so we put too much stock in our stuff. I got lots of stuff. You got lots of stuff. Those of you say, well, I don't have a lot of stuff. I like knowing what it's like to have a lot of stuff. So you've got a consumer approach. Doesn't matter how much stuff you got, you always want a little bit more. And the consumer approach doesn't work because you've got to leave the stuff to someone else. Here's the next one. Help me say this. Did somebody sneeze? I thought I heard sneeze. The narcissistic approach. What's that? Well, I've got to find the power within. 
if I work on me and I've got the power within and I'm going to, you know, get everything, grab myself up by my own bootstraps and I will make a success. It's about my goals. It's about my dreams. It's not about God's. I'm moving here because we're just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm doing this to position myself to get better, more advancement. It's not about really more influence for the Lord to make a bigger difference. It's more about getting bigger head. Selfish. Very selfish approach in life. You're never happy. My dad said to me in so many words one time, we're out there working on a pig lot. My dad would say weird things sometimes, and I didn't understand him a lot of times. He'd say, Tim, marriage has no, there's no room for two selfish people in marriage. You can't, marriages don't work when you're selfish. This is not made for that. What do you mean? It's just not made for that. Now, he would admit he was very selfish. Maybe that's why he, can, he knew that's true. But it doesn't work not only in marriage. It doesn't work in life, period. It doesn't work in your employment very long when you make it all about you. It doesn't work a roommate very long when you make it all about you. It doesn't work in a discipleship group, in a church, yada, yada, yada. What's the last one, Tim? Here's the... Here's the one I think that matters. It's the eternal approach. Which one will it be, guys? Well, you're just trying to get by? Or is it, is it you're just going to live your life, you know, and die? Is it going to be about partying all the time, pleasure all the time, and that's what you're going to turn your life around? Is it going to be about stuff? Is it going to be about yourself? Or is it going to be about something eternal? Remember, only you have something in you that nothing else on this planet has, and it's eternal. It's eternal. And the eternal approach goes something like this. Lord, why am I here? What is my purpose? Help me figure this out. Why did you create me? I know I'm not here by accident. Your word says, you say, Father, that everything was made for a purpose. I'm going to believe that. You say that I'm made for eternity. So I'm going to believe that too. So what do you want me to do while I'm still here? What do you want me to do? with the rest of my life. You see, I'm yours, Lord. I'm yours. Why are you here? Why are you here? I've got a last verse I want to show you. And this is out of Proverbs. And uh, the, it says that knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. Isn't that interesting? It says, knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. It goes back to God, doesn't it? If I want to know, if I've got a question in life, understanding it goes back to knowing God. It goes back to my relationship with God. I hold in my hand an uh, iPhone 4S. What are you? It's got a thing called... Siri? Siri. I almost said serious. I'm serious. Siri. And I can go, I can, let's see if I can get Siri to, how do I get Siri to do something here? Oh no. This button? Siri? Are you there? Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's saying something to me. It's saying it can't help me. Sorry, I'm not sure. It says here. 
I'm sorry, I'm not sure what you want. Here we go. Let me try it again. Call Dan Gill. You're locked up. But see what I'm saying? I can say something. I found this out. I found this out this week. I, guess I said, Siri, next time I'm at Lowe's, remind me to get a V-belt. And it says, next time you're at Lowe's, I will remind you to get a V-belt. This is an amazing phone. I used to be a BlackBerry guy. I'm a, oh, Paul Mariola's was calling. Okay. But see, what I'm saying is it's an amazing phone. And, I, and there's features on it I have yet to figure out. Some of you come up to me and go, Oh, yeah, it'll do this too. Try this. Press that button. I didn't know that. That's great. Press that. Do that. Watch it. It'll even do this. I'm getting texts now from people. Okay. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? You're interrupting me. And I guess what I'm trying to say is maybe it's a silly point. It probably is, but it helps me understand something. The more I know my iPhone results in a very uh, results in every other understanding of the rest of it. The more I play with it, the more I do stuff with it, the more I talk to people that know how to use it, I have a better understanding. It results in understanding the whole scope of this thing. How do you send a picture? Matthew goes, well, you do this. Hit this, hit this, hit this, send. It's amazing. Did you know if you hit this button and this button, say no, it'll take a picture of whatever's on your screen? That's amazing. I just learned these things in the last few weeks, okay? You say, well, Tim, you need to spend more time with your iPhone. Do you know where I'm going now? See, my iPhone can only answer so many questions. I've never asked Siri... What's the meaning of life? I'm not sure what she would say. I'll, I'll do it some I've got time. But I'll tell you something I noticed. Knowing God results in every other kind of... If I were... Sometimes I wonder if God says, I wish I was a smartphone. And you would spend time with me and ask me. I know more than Siri. I know more than... Won't you let me have a shot at it? If you get to know me, all these other questions could get answered. So the question this morning is, you know, do you know the Lord? Do you really know God? If you're not a Christian, you don't know the Lord, you're never going to get the answers to these questions you've got. And for some of you who are Christians, are you just making it real tough to get those answers? Because you're, you know some things, but you know about God, but are you really about knowing God? In a personal way. I want to encourage you this week to believe this passage. Accept this passage. Live this passage. You know, I want to know. Uh, guys, I, I'm not saying you have to do it like I do. I'm not saying it. But I'll tell you, I'm in my Bible, and every time I'm in my Bible, I learn something else. And just for that little bit of a little bit every day, and I'm beginning to understand some things I've never seen before. It's almost like God says, Well, Tim, when you get through this a few times, then I'm going to show you some things because you're not ready to understand it. Do you know the Lord? You can know the Lord. I don't know where to start. How about a personal Bible study? 
I think that's on the card. Check it. I want a personal Bible study. If you're a Christian, say, you know, Tim, I'm not in a discipleship group. I'm kind of just freelance right now. I go to church. I love it. But I'm not really in a discipleship group. Do I have to be in a discipleship group to go to heaven? No. You don't have to be in a discipleship group to go to heaven. But why wouldn't you want to be involved with other Christians' lives to help you? I mean, we're, we're strength in numbers. Why not? My discipleship group, i got Jim Shrimp, and I've got Tom Tarantino, and I've got Don Yoder in my group. And they help me. They're helping me the last few weeks. Sometimes they kick in the pants. You need to look at that, Tim. I'm listening to you. You're in my life for that reason. It's nice to have an extra set of eyes and extra set of ears. Why not? It helps me know God. It helps me know God. Are you getting with Him in any way? Through prayer? Through Bible study? Finding out what God is like because it results in answering these questions. Especially, why am I here?